I don't pray and things change. I pray and my perception shifts and I'm able to do what I didn't think I could do a minute ago. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Hello, mi amigos. Hello, mi amigas. That was the voice of our friend Matthew M. that you heard at the beginning of this episode. And you will be hearing so much more from him in just a moment on this here episode number 187 of Sober Speak. But first things first, this episode right here, right now, is brought to you by Bill and Leonard and Charlie and Laura. Do you know what Bill and Leonard and Charlie and Laura did? Well, let me fill you in. They went to our website, SoberSpeak.com. They clicked on the Donate tab and they made a, a contribution. Thank you so much, Bill and Leonard and Charlie and Laura. This episode is coming right out to youans. All right, as I said earlier, that was Matthew M. You're going to hear a lot more from him in just a moment. We always enjoy having Matthew M. on the program. I, John M., just another bozo on the bus, will be the chairperson for this meeting between meetings, and I am truly honored and privileged to serve all of you listening in. So take a seat, if you will, around this virtual table, and let's get started. As a reminder, you can find us on all your favorite podcast players, players, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and wherever you find your podcast. If you find a place where you're not finding the podcast, let me know. I would like to know about that. Write to me at John, J-O-H-N, at SoberSpeak.com. As always, I realize there are so many things, so many valuable things that you could be doing with your time. And I appreciate you taking time to tune in to my silly little podcast. Hopefully we're sharing a little bit or or spreading a little bit of a a good in this world. All right. Um, I am doing this uh, recording actually way ahead of schedule because I've got a heavy travel schedule coming up. 
So I'm going to go right into the episode today. Once again, this is Matthew M. He will be addressing steps 10 and steps 11 of Alcoholics Anonymous. We're going to talk about inventory, admitting our wrongs, prayer, meditation, and as always with Matthew, much, much more. So buckle up your seats and enjoy the ride. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Mr. Matthew M. And I will have plenty of listener feedback at the end of this episode. Thank you. Okay, everybody, or as my son said when he was a little bitty, body, body, we're here once again with the one and only Mr. Matthew M. So Mr. Matthew M., if you will, please go ahead, intro, and give your sobriety date, if you would, please, por favor. Thanks, John. Matthew M., May 16th, 1993. And by the way... um, you know, I ask people to go ahead and introduce themselves and give their sobriety date if they wish, because it's kind of like a uh, a Texas thing. Do you do you all do that in California when you introduce yourself? Now, I've noticed that traveling that some people say their name, their home group, and their sobriety date. We just say our name because in Southern California we're modest. <laughs> There's still a lot of ego in other in Texas, I guess. Yeah, yeah, we 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 like to brag <laughs> and exaggerate. <laughs> Everything's tall in Texas. That's right, except me. But I got you. <laughs> All right. So, uh, last time that we left off, and by the way, let's go ahead and kind of uh, remind people again. Just a quick little reminder. Uh, with you, we are going through what we call the surrenders, and the surrenders are basically the steps, uh, but you like to call them surrenders because... Well, again, so there are the 12 steps. I just take the perspective of surrenders to have us think about it that way. Uh, you read at the end of the last podcast, you know, abandon yourself to God. That, that means surrender, Right. Also, for the sake of this last part of the podcast, I'd like to say one of the definitions of surrender is to yield to the power. So when I look at the steps and what they've done for me, and when I look at the literature, actually, the more I do it in COVID, because like Bill said, we're kind of sponsoring more people and in the literature a lot lately. um, I see that the the way the literature is set up is like, we know you don't want to do this one thing. Now we're going to convince you to do it. And then you do that. Then it said, now we know you really don't want to do this. <laughs> so I think of them as surrenders because I think that ultimately they're surrender, incremental surrenders to freedom. You know, and one of my, we didn't talk about this on the, on the last episode where we were talking about eight and nine, but one of my favorite parts of the book is says something to the effect of when you're getting to eight and nine, it says, now remember now, we said, that we were willing to go to, to any length to get sober. You know, you signed that little spiritual contract. I don't know if you remember that or not, but let's go ahead and recap that. My point uh, exactly. Because, right. right, because the amends can be a little bit uh, frightening, as you were talking about on the last one. And, and I love that example that you gave last time we were together about 
I forget her name, uh, but there was a lady who was taking a shot uh, at the hospital, and she said it was the anticipation that was killing her, and the nurse said something to the effect of, we've already given you the shot, honey. You're you're good to go. So sometimes we just got to take our medicine and move on. All right, so. So we so so far we've covered all of the surrenders up to step nine, and now we want to pick up on steps ten, eleven, uh, and possibly twelve. We'll see where we get in this particular episode. But step ten continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. What are your thoughts there, Mister Matthew? Well, they, they like most of the things uh, involved with recovery in in my participation is it's evolved over time, right? Uh, I think the most practical way that that step applied throughout the twenty seven years I've been sober is knowing that I can't leave things undone or or harms done that I haven't circled back and made amends for. Uh, formal tent step I haven't started doing till more recently, but the. 10 step for me was, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. I, the, the earliest time that that came into my head is early on when meeting my wife. So I was a few years sober. Uh, we were probably just living together. We, we, we had a very quick romance and risked a lot, you know, but it's lasted 25 years. So, so far, so good. But we were in a French restaurant, actually not far from here, from Bill's house. And it, it's not uh, there anymore. But I was telling, talking to her and I realized I was telling her a lie. And it was a lie that I had told most of my life. <laughs> so it was a real comfortable, well-polished lie. <laughs> and I'm telling it to her, but I don't lie to her. I hadn't lied to her. And I'm looking at her. And suddenly the, the image I can give you is I looked at, it was like I was looking at her through the wrong end of the telescope, right? She just seemed really far away. And she was right across the table from me. And I remember in my head hearing, promptly admitted it. Promptly admitted it, <laughs> promptly admitted it <laughs> because I'm well-versed in AA. I had strong sponsorship. I was probably two years sober. And I, I just stopped and risked it all and said, that whole story was a lie. <laughs> I never did that. I, I don't know why I told you that. And she laughed and said, do you think you're the only person that does that? Hmm. And once again, I, just, I hope I've demonstrated, you know, God never makes to ask too much of those who who seek him is, you know, I thought she might think, oh my, you know, think badly of me and, and chastise me and not trust me. And she trusted me more, mm-hmm. but I didn't know that. And I just had to stop telling that stupid story that never happened. And she was the perfect place to cure me of it. My friend Mac always says, uh, you know, the most of the friends and the people that are very close to me in my life, including my family, are the people not that I've uh, told them that what a wonderful guy I am and you should really appreciate me for all my wonderfulness uh, is the people that I am willing to admit my faults to. Right. Uh, and isn't it strange how that works? And that's counterintuitive to um, I guess, at least in my mind, what I believe someone's going to think about me. If I tell them something rotten, like you're rotten, Ron, uh, <laughs> about myself, uh, they're going to think less of me. And it's usually the exact opposite. Well, let's talk about that, John, because you just opened up a really important thing. You know, I think they're going to think less of me. It's counterintuitive to how I think. The fifth step in the 12 and 12 says all of AA's 12 steps go against our natural desires. They all deflate our egos. And, and that would be for anybody listening to this who has a problem with the God thing. 
that's great. You know, I like Scott R used to say, you know, don't worry about the God thing, do the 12 steps and you'll be contacted, <laughs> right? We quoted him before, but I want to say what you just said. There's material things that we do to preserve ourselves, to, to have an income, to reproduce, to eat. And then there's spiritual things and that's altruism and, and telling the truth when the, the lie would serve us better and not and surrendering our manipulative nature to see to to uh, to see how things work out if we walk the line with it with it as my friend Clancy used to say with naked blood you know this is who I am this is the truth about me like I said to my wife so in Sandy Beach used to say that there's the material and there's the spiritual so for whatever you want to say about the God thing I heard from a meeting once that a guy who was an atheist kind of hijacked the podium and talked about his religion, atheism for quite a while. And one of the things he said is you guys always say faith without works is dead, but I'm here to tell you work without works without faith works just fine. And of course it does, because if you start doing things that are the opposite of self-preservation, they're the opposite of uh, operating from the place where I am the most important thing in the room, your life will change and you don't have to call it God. But I would put to you, you should probably call it something besides material. Yeah, and in my opinion, um, that is probably a form of faith, but that's a completely different (laughs) subject in and of itself. We'll go there. Okay, so so we have 10. Anything else you want to say about, I I don't know, the the subject of uh, making amends and taking inventory uh, uh, before we move on to 11? Yeah, during this pandemic, I've been sponsoring people through the 12 and 12 because I have a lot of people that have worked the steps with me through the big book and they're looking for a new experience. They're looking for some depth in their program right now with this strange experience. And in the 10th step in the 12 and 12, it says, you know, we drew up a balance sheet. We put debits and credits. So that's what I've been doing as a little experiment. I have a notebook next to my bed. I put credits on one side and debits on the other. And I list them at the night at night. And you know, I think obviously and fortunately, the credits way outweigh the debits. And and for a guy like me who's pretty involved in AA and and works for a you know forty hours a week for a company and takes care of his wife, I can I can just look at my phone and say talk to seven guys about the steps today. You know, was meditated twice. You know, took made lunch for my wife, gave my employer a good day's work. And then the debit, sometimes I didn't do some of those things or I was short with somebody or I was selfish in some way. But, you know, I look at those things and they're very helpful to see that. I I have seen there's a benefit from writing it. And the last thing I do and the last thing I'll say about the 10th step is I found that what I when I do my meditation in the morning, I write a prayer a little prayer, you know, and my prayers aren't to a being. I don't, like I said before, the timeless plentitude of being, I think is the most accurate version of God I can wrap my head around. But I put the things that I see as my debits, I sort of offer them in ways like, hey, I'd like to be more available with all my talents to my employer during the hours they they expect me to be there. I'd like to listen and understand my wife before I react to my wife. I'd like to answer the phone when the guy calls that I don't want to talk to. Please clear away my ego and my bondage so that I can do that. And so that's what I've been doing for a 10 step, probably for four months, maybe uh, 80% of the evenings. And it's I find it very helpful. Very nice. Yeah. So you formalize a, and I've still never done. I have, I actually have guys who send me that I sponsor. There's little apps out there 
and they go yeah, through and, and they they do their 10 step and they write it down and then they send send it over to me what they put down uh i uh and and i'm not saying this is good and at some point let me put it this way i didn't really start meditating until like three years ago i mean like seriously meditating right. you know like for an extended periods of time and maybe I'm going to start this formalized uh, 10 step here. Uh, you know, up, so you'll never know. I usually do it in my head as I'm going to sleep and I'm also doing the, uh, the meditation at the same time. But nonetheless, I think that's fantastic that you do that. Mm. All right. So let's go on to the 11 step. The 11 step sought through prayer. And we, in fact, you just talked about this a little bit. Prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understand it. Right. Yeah. So I think in my upbringing in AA, because Bill's just sitting over here and his sponsor, Jay, uh, famously says at our home group, the Hermosa Beach Monday Night Men's Stag, the 11th step is not extra credit. And I think that frequently when people tell me, well, I've worked the steps and I ask them what their 11th step practice is, they draw a blank. Right. And I can tell you my experience with 11th step and meditation has been profound halfway through my recovery it was i was missing something and i filled it in uh, in a way that was already presented to me already available in the book in one of the steps but i thought i'd talk about prayer first because i really want to talk about meditation and i like i said i don't pray to a being and i'm going to try to make this a shorter uh story than it usually is but you know as anybody who's listened to this podcast knows about me when i was married for five years, my wife had a, a fairly significant stroke and she was in the hospital for five weeks. And I was far away for part of that time training for a new job. And I'm going to try to make this story brief. I, I flew in to see her and the, the messages on my phone while I was at my training class, while my wife was in ICU were, we visited your wife today. She looks good. We uh, brought her some food today. She's in good humor. She's, she's doing great. And when I got to the hospital, I flew in from Chicago to UC Irvine. I flew into the John Wayne Airport and I drove up there and I got there later at night, 10 o'clock. And I walked into a room and, and she did not look good by anybody's standards. She looked terrible. Her face was distorted and she was had been laying in a bed for two weeks. She, she couldn't move uh, any part of her left side of her body. Uh, when she talked, she drooled because her mouth was so uh, uh, affected by the stroke. And I was stunned. I was couldn't show how shocked I was. And, and we talked for a few minutes and she was very tired and I didn't know what to do. So I just crawled into bed with her. And when I woke up in the middle of the night, I was so scared. I was so afraid. Like I'd never been. I, I can honestly tell you, I was so afraid. I had a little child. I have two children and I have three children. I had a new job. That's why I had to go to training. So we didn't lose our only income. Uh, I felt like I was in over my head at the job. I now realized that the alpha partner, my beautiful, intelligent, efficient wife was never going to be the same. And I didn't know if I could do it. So I went down the hall to take a shower. The nurses had left me towel and, and shampoo. I didn't bring any luggage. I just got on a plane and went to see my wife and, and I was going to go back to training the next day. And I, I went in the shower and I knelt on the floor. And it was a hospital shower in ICU. There's beeping and moaning. It's dark. It was terrifying. I really felt like I could have a nervous breakdown in any second. And I prayed with the greatest intensity, greatest intensity, because I had, I had heard somewhere or read somewhere or before that, 
pray with intention and your prayers will be answered. And I prayed for power. And I'd been taught that I'm not supposed to do that, that I don't get to have power. But I prayed for the power to take care of her, the power to do this job, the power to raise these children. And I said to this God that I don't think is a being with ears, I said to this God, I can't do this. I am not the man for this job. And it was very clear that I wanted with all my might to have God help me to feel filled with the power. And nothing happened. I got up and finished my shower and was filled with fear. I could taste metal in the back of my throat. I thought I was going to faint. I was so afraid. I walked back down that hallway and I went in that room against my own will. I didn't even look at her. I couldn't look at her. For all my love for that woman, she scared the hell out of me in that state. And I sat down on a chair that faced away from her and I closed my eyes and I felt her in the room. Now, in hospitals, there's lots of smells and lots of sounds. I didn't smell her perfume. I didn't smell her skin. I just felt her presence. And I thought, wow, I wonder if this is like a sixth sense of love, that if you're really connected, you can feel when someone's with you. And I still couldn't look at her, but I got up and I, I turned towards the bed and I looked out the window. And I there was these dark, dark... Uh, trees, like a silhouette. It's like 4.30 in the morning, maybe 5. And there was just a little bit of light. And then I saw this activity in these in this silhouette. And I realized they were small birds. And it kind of caught my breath. I thought, God, that's, that's so beautiful. The world is so beautiful. And then I looked down at my wife. And she's from Wales. And she has this beautiful pale skin. And I thought, holy God, I love this woman. God, I love her. And there was no fear and none of my circumstances had changed. And that's all I want to say about prayers. I don't pray and things change. I pray and my perception shifts. And I'm able to do what I didn't think I could do a minute ago. And that's what I think happens to me with prayer. It's like all of this, oh, pray and she'll be healed. No, she won't. No, she won't. And people have said that to us and we don't like it. But pray for us that we can thrive without her being healed, because that apparently is what we're being asked to do. And that's what's happened for me with prayer. That's beautiful, Matthew. That's beautiful. Let me take a little break here. We will be continuing our conversation with Matthew M. in just a moment. Just a reminder. You are listening to Sober Speak. You can find us on the World Wide Web at SoberSpeak.com. You can also find the donate button on our website. You can use if and only if the spirit moves you to do such. Please keep in mind this is a podcast funded by you, the listener. Sober Speak is a self-supporting organization through our own contributions. We are not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution, we do not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorse nor oppose any causes. Now back to Mr. Matthew M. All right, Matthew. Um, you, you know, uh, a, a good bit of what you were talking about there with uh, prayer um, reminds me of the piece basically in the book or in the steps it says you know praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out 
Um, I can remember being in, uh, uh, you know, and, and I don't want to knock anybody. Everyone's got their own belief system and such. I can remember being in like uh, Bible studies and such and people telling me that if I wasn't praying for something specific to be done for me or for somebody else that, you know, uh, benefited them, that I was uh, not, uh, I didn't have enough faith, if you were. And I remember thinking there was something inside of me that just did not line up with that and I couldn't really explain it. Um, But that story there and uh, that moment in time for you um, actually um, illustrated that uh, very well. Thank you. Thanks, All right, so let's go on to the 11th step. Or excuse me, let's go the on to the, the meditation part of the right. 11th step. So you mentioned there that you do uh, meditation now. Uh, and uh, I, I think you said it came to you later in life, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that. Well, yeah, to be clear, I, I've always been interested. I've, I've done things before I got sober, which were not as effective when you're, <laughs> you're not sober. Uh, lots of different meditation styles. Like I said in an earlier podcast, I inadvertently got a minor in religious studies. So I've, I've always been interested in those kind of practices. What I meant about it sort of halfway through my recovery is, you know, Bill C is my sponsor and Bill C says the most spiritual sentence in the program is get in the car. And I was raised on action, you know, and I was taught there's a difference between action and activity. Activity is you can sign up for all the committees, you can do all the phone lists, but are you putting yourself out there and growing spiritually through, you know, tireless work with other people? So I did a lot of action. I I go to jails and prisons. People do get in my car frequently. They usually get where we intend to go. Um, I sponsor lots and lots of people. When people ask me to go somewhere and speak, I go speak. And when I was about 13, maybe years sober, I just felt empty inside. I thought, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to. I paid all the amends back. I'm, you know, answering the phone when that guy calls that I don't want to talk to. I'm trying to practice these principles in all my affairs, and I am just not right. And I was at the 11-step meeting here in uh, Manhattan Beach, or I think it's Manhattan Beach, and Jay was there with Adele, his wife. Jay is my grand sponsor. And uh, Adele came up to me and said, how much are you meditating? And I said, honestly, not at all. I have this new job where I'm traveling a lot. When I'm home, I feel like I need to get up and be with the family. And she smiled and very kindly said, double that, (laughs) which I thought was so sweet. I said, I'm not meditating at all. And she said, double that. And she laughed and walked away. (laughs) And then Jay, without this was not a setup, as far as I know, wandered up. This is pre-meeting and we all kind of mill around. And he came up and said, hey, how are you doing? I said, not not very well. And he said, are you meditating? And I said, no, not at all. And Jay says something that I love to almost everybody he meets. He says, how can I help you? And I said, I don't know, man, you can't meditate for me. And he said, well, what if I call you in the morning and we meditate together? And he said, what time do you get up? And now I'm a technically a caregiver of my wife. So I said, well, I get up at five. (laughs) That didn't sit well. He said, how about I call you at six? (laughs) And he did. He called me every day at six in the morning, wherever I was. And we sat on the phone and meditated for five minutes. And it went Mm -hmm. like this. Hello, it's Jay. Hey, Jay. All right, I'm going to set the timer. Quiet. 
Three bells later, I love you, I love you, thanks, hang up. And five minutes, very quickly, we realized wasn't enough. So it became 10 minutes, and then it was 15 minutes, and now it's 22 minutes. And we have a conference call, and it, and 25 people join us at 6 o'clock in the morning, and it's been going on for about 13 years. Wow. It's gotten to be more and more. Sometimes for years, it was just Bernie, a couple other guys, and myself, but it's really taken on. And I want to say, I felt like I was doing everything. I was, my action was good. I was clean with everyone. I wasn't hi- hiding anything. And I was missing the glue. There was no glue in my skeleton. There was no lubrication between my joints. And then it just happened. You know, it just, that inner life, that that contacting the, the still place inside me. And, and that's the, the thing I want to say to anybody who's listening about the 11th step. You know, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it says the problem centers in our mind. And if you're anything like me, and you've done any meditation at all, you realize how compulsive your mind is and what a slave I am to my own self-centered thinking and resurrecting old wrongs. Cause you know, I got nothing else to do. Why don't I chew on something that happened to me in fifth grade? You know, (laughs) why don't I, you know, look at somebody in the paper and decide they're stupid and I know better. And you know, like my brain (laughs) is just terrorizing me. So why would I not give it a 20 minute break twice a day? Why wouldn't I do that? It's in the book. And it says to improve our conscious contact. I have a place now inside me because I visit it with consistency. That that works for me. Consistency for years at a time that I can go anytime because I know it's there. There's a, there's a, can you describe that? Uh, Cause I I know people are going to wonder, I, I, there's something that happens actually with me, like right in my gut and it's hard to explain, but. Do your best to describe that place. Well, it's very challenging to do that. People have been trying to do that for many, many millennia. <laughs> but there's there's a couple of things. Like uh, the guy I read every day is Nisargadatta Maharshi, and he has a book that was printed of talks he gave called I Am That. And he says, find a foothold beyond the ego. There is your answer. And there's another guy, Muji, who I just read a quote from the other day, goes, Find the spot where there's effortless stillness. It's always there. And the effortless stillness. Now, I don't every time I meditate get there, but let let me tell you something that happened today. Okay. Just today that I think I mentioned this quotation in uh, when we were talking about the fourth and fifth step. It's an Anthony DeMello quote. And he says, loneliness is not dispelled through contact with other people. Loneliness is dispelled through contact with the truth. And I've always felt that that really applied to the fourth and fifth step. I had this big chasm between me and you, me and what you thought of me and who I really was. And I did the fourth and fifth step and that closed in. I felt like pretty good just as I was. I didn't evaporate under the pressure of my sins. Lightning did not strike. My sponsor didn't throw me away. But today I woke up in Bill's guest room and I was felt empty and and a little bit desolate. I I have some fears about one of my children, my son, and I'm worried my daughter's going through a divorce right now and and work is very stressful. And I woke up in in Bill and Karen's very welcoming, warm environment of their guest house. And I just had this feeling of emptiness and desolation and sadness. And I've, I've, I'm a grown man. I've woken up like this many times before. 
And I got up and I have a six o'clock meditation group that I am responsible for. I have to call in to make sure it's activated. And I called into the group at 6 a.m. about an hour after I woke up and had had a cup of coffee. Somebody on the group read something spiritual that they brought to the group. That's we divide that. We do that. And then we meditated for 22 minutes. And when we were done, I was perfectly okay because my loneliness disappeared because I came in touch with the contact of the truth of the effortless stillness where I think the answer was the truth is I'm not in charge of my daughter's divorce. I'm not in charge of my son's mental struggles. I'm not in charge of the chaos at work. And I am completely and utterly fine sitting at this table at this guest house in Torrance, one of my favorite places on earth. And I, I came into contact with the truth. The, the, I read a quote to Bill today from Alan Watts. He said, my job is effing the ineffable. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when you're trying to talk about the ineffable, what I have found is the more you visit that effortless stillness, that's always there. You cannot disturb it. It is not within your mind's power to disturb the effortless stillness. Your mind's way up on the surface. But when you visit that place and visit place enough, you become really clear that there is a small self that you think you are all the time. And there is the real self that everything is made of. And that's what I meet. And that's what I visit with. And that's what I become intimate with to the 11 step. And, and I just want to say this to everyone again, just try it. You know, people go, well, I can't meditate. I can't tell you how many people have said that. You know, I play the guitar. I play the guitar really well. When I first got a guitar, it looked like it came from another planet, but I was fascinated by it. And I played it very badly for a long time. <laughs> I put my fingers on it and it would buzz and I, I wouldn't hold my hands right, but I was like driven, you know, and it became a little more satisfying. So pretty soon I could go outside my room and play the guitar for somebody, not anybody important, you know, like my mother. And she would say, <laughs> that sounds good. And it didn't, but she loved me. So, it's, and then I, I learned a little bit and after a while, and now people look and go, I can't play guitar. I'm like, yes, you can. You just have to practice it. Right. That, that's the key. Between, you know, when you look at your favorite rock and roll guitarists, do they look like rocket scientists, man? They're not. And that's the thing about meditation. You just have to sit still. And you know what? Like we have a joke at our home group. Sometimes meditation is thinking with your eyes closed. Mm -hmm. but if you do it enough. If you really do it enough and do it with a little faith that there is a, an effortless stillness in you, it never fails me. It, you know, I don't get a hundred percent fortified to take care of all my problems. I just get that shift. You know, I get that shift to the right size, to the right spaciousness, to the bigger, the connection to the real self. It's kind of like where you said with you and Jay, you started doing what two minutes or whatever it was, and then you built five minutes and then you built up from there to 22 minutes. So, you know, what I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about people listening to this, and there may be others out there who said, hey, a meditation uh, format type of meeting, uh, maybe in the morning or the evening or whenever during the midday, maybe I could try that with uh, some of my friends. So do you have a particular format that you use to make that all happen? Yeah, no. So, And that's I'm so glad you thought about that because I thought to myself, if I talk about this conference call, on this podcast, I am not going to give out the number to everyone because that could be unwieldy, but I, I was going to suggest do it yourself. So this is what we do. 
we there's a company called freeconferencecall.com. We signed up for a conference call. We I send a text to everybody on the list five minutes before six and say, please sign in. Right now, lately I've been bored because for you know, for a long time I've been writing time to call in. So I've been getting a little more creative. So let me just tell you what I wrote today. Um, I'll give you the last two days. So I wrote on Friday, Friday's Fellowship of Freedom from Frenetic Fearfulness, now meeting. (laughs) (laughs) And then yesterday, or today I wrote at 5.55, Saturday's Soulful Serene Cerebral Siesta Session starts soon. Because I'm just (laughs) bored of writing time to call in. But everybody calls in at 5.55 or between 5.55 and 6. Then we, we talk. Some people say hello. You know, uh, Jay's on and, and a lot of other people. And then somebody from the group reads a paragraph or a sentence or a quotation they like. I've assigned those. Just I used to do it myself, but it was awful lot of pressure to do that. We do it six days a week. We take Sundays off. And then at six, I say at six o'clock, so-and-so is going to read. Then everybody mute your lines. Very important if you're going to do this experiment. Uh, I mean, in the middle of one meditation, a woman started screaming at her dogs with expletives. (laughs) So we really, really said, please mute your line. And then there's 20 minutes of silence. And then there's a small high bell, which lets you know in two minutes there's, we're going to have the last three bells. Now, the reason I do that format, and probably a lot of your listeners just figured this out, is I practice currently, not always, but the last four years, transcendental meditation. And that's how they do it. 20 minutes, a bell, or not a bell, they don't use bells. 20 minutes, and then two minutes, you stop the mantra. I want to say for anybody who recoiled from that, and you're a big book thumper and say, says in the book how to do it. No, it says in the book, more will be revealed. And Bill Wilson practiced transcendental meditation and was taught transcendental meditation in the mid-60s and said it gave him a new appreciation for the 11th step. So there's my little defensive uh, rationalization of that. Yeah, that all drives me crazy. (laughs) There's a a right way to do the steps. uh, I I get it. So that sounds really cool. I'm hoping that uh, a lot of little groups get spun up because of this. And if you end up doing that, please send me an email and I'll I'll copy Matthew in and let him know. You know, you get some of those emails and texts. Yeah, I love those. Yeah. All right, Matthew. Well, listen, here's here's what I think we ought to do. As you know, Surrender 12 has three pieces to it. Right. I think we ought to set up some time at some other point to come back and just do a deep dive, if you will, on the three pieces of the 12th step. Yeah, it certainly uh, deserves its own podcast. You're right. It takes it's a big topic. Right. Right. So we'll just come back and do that at some other point. And, uh, but this has been, as always, Mr. Matthew, enjoyable. Thank you so much, John. Uh, you all can't see it, but once again, we're doing the namaste <laughs> hands to each other. And, uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, my goodness. Uh, you know, we all have experiences, but you do have a gift and a talent for being able to articulate those experiences uh, and bring them to a, I guess, a simplified form to where everybody can understand them. You're a great storyteller. And I just so much love spending time with you. And I'm so glad we ran across each other. And uh, God bless you, my friend. You have a great rest of your day. And I'm sure that we will end up talking very soon. Oh, 
Say now, goodbye to Bill too. He's very sensitive. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hi, Bill. <laughs> goodbye, Bill. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'm going to read page 164 from the big book again. Okay. Abandon yourself or as we would also call it, surrender <laughs> yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us, like me and Matthew and Bill C. over there in the background, as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Once again, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, John. Remember now, we don't want you sharing your gossip, but do Share this episode with a friend or family member. It may be just what they need today. Thank you once again, Mr. Matthew M. I've already got Matthew M. uh, set up to come back in and record uh, Step 12. We will be having him back shortly. Now, on to a little bit of a listener feedback. Elizabeth DMs via the gram. She says, I want to thank you for what you and your speakers have done in my life. My husband is an alcoholic. After begging for us to get counseling for a couple of years, I finally gave him a choice, a choice of getting help or moving out. He chose to leave me and our five children. Your podcast and listening to the big book over and over have helped me to understand the mind of an alcoholic. God is using you in so many ways. I cannot thank you enough. You have blessed me. Much love and blessing, Elizabeth W. Well, Elizabeth, my prayers go out to you uh, and to your family. Um, I'm sure this is a, a tough time, and I just want to let you know that uh, I'm thinking about you, and right now we have many of other people thinking about you as well. And if you can, maybe you can throw in, if you're listening out there, you can throw up a little prayer for Elizabeth. I think that would be very helpful. Elizabeth, thank you for writing in. Keep me posted. Charlie writes in, and the name of uh, the subject line of the email was AA History Barry L. So he was listening to, oh, let me go look here. What episode was that? That is episode number, oh, I can't find, oh, episode number 181. It's our AA History series. It's called Barry L., the author of of living sober. So anyway, uh, Charlie's writing in about that. And he says, John, I'm on my morning walk. I was catching up on some past episodes of Sober Speak. I listened to Barry L., the author of Living Sober. Wonderful exclamation point. It reconfirms my belief that these founders were a pretty wise bunch. Please continue to mix in AA history lessons for us Thanks, Charlie R. Well, they were a pretty wise bunch, and thank God they made some of the decisions that they made. My goodness, where would we be without some of the? Where would where would somebody like me be 
if Bill and Bob hadn't met, if Bill hadn't made that 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 phone call to Bob while he was pacing that bar, and uh, I, I'm just I'm just so thankful that uh, all those guys and gals were around uh, at the beginning of this thing, and they made all those wise decisions. But anyway, thank you very much, Charlie, for writing in. I sure do appreciate it. Rudy DMs me on the gram. He says, hi, John. I just listened to your interview with Gene McCarthy on the Bubble Hour. Thank you so much for sharing your journey on there. It was great to identify with you and listen in. Well, thank you, Ruby. I appreciate you. Um, You know, we're all on this journey together and we all have our story and I'm thankful that uh, Gene allowed me to share my story on there with her. Excuse me, folks. Lorraine writes in. Lorraine says, Hi, John. I'm a New Zealander living on the Isle of Wight, UK. I found your website and I'm totally addicted to the shares. I'm off to my big book meeting right now and I cannot tell you how much Sober Speak means to me as I work nights and play all your shares. Thank you so much for your service and please send a hello to all of us on the Isle of Wight as there are many of us. XX. <coughs> Excuse me, Lorraine E. So Lorraine E., thank you so much for writing in and uh, say hello to everybody for us out there on the Isle of Wight. Uh, Wight, no, it's Wight, W-I-G-H-T. Excuse me, I'm probably saying that wrong. Nonetheless, I'm glad you're listening in and thank you so much for uh, writing in, Lorraine. X-X-O-O, right back at you. Jane writes in, and the subject line was Steve L. She's talking about the episode Steve L. Let me go back to that real quick. That is episode number 185. It is called God's Amusement Park, one of my favorite titles. Anyway, she says, uh, John, I loved Steve L. I laughed a lot. It seems many of We Alcoholics Can Laugh at Tragedy. I heard Gary Kay mentioned. I've listened to him on several on Sober Speak several times. I'm privileged to hear him on a weekly basis. He's a speaker at our Zoom group. Oh, that's great. I've been listening to your podcast since mid-January this year. You have been an important part of almost 20 of my you have been an important part of my almost 27 years of sobriety. Well, thank you, uh, Miss Jane, for writing in, and congratulations on your 27 years, and I'm glad that you enjoyed Mr. Steve L. so much. Chad writes in, he says, Hi, John, I live in Laurel, Mississippi. You may have seen the town on HGTV show Hometown. <coughs> you have to excuse me, folks, got a little something caught in my throat there. And I could go back and edit it out, yes, but it takes way too long to get that done, and I'm going to hurry this week, so you're just going to have to bear with me. Nonetheless, Laurel, Mississippi, yes, the, the, the show Hometown, I know all about that, Chad. I've watched that before. What are their names? Uh, I'm thinking there's the big guy, I think he's Ben, and I think the woman is Aaron, and they do an absolutely fantastic job, <laughs> and, uh, and I know that. That's fantastic. Uh, um, 
maybe if they ever go to an AA meeting on the show, I'll be able to see you, but I doubt they'll be going to an AA meeting. He says, my sobriety date is March 25th of 2018, and thus far, I really like being a recovered alcoholic. Well, I hope that keeps up there, Mr. Chap. He said, I found Sober Speak just randomly searching for AA speakers back when you had just five to six episodes. I have enjoyed listening ever since. Oh, wow. You've got to see the, I guess what you would call the progression of the podcast. He says, I'm a big fan of Bill C and Matthew M, but pretty much enjoyed Every episode that I listen to, thank you for your wonderful podcast, Chad S. in Laurel, Mississippi, with the hometown HGTV show. I added all that other part on. But anyway, thank you, Chad. Uh, If you run across Ben and Aaron and their little girl, I think they have one little, uh, I think it's a little girl, a child. Please tell them that I said hello, okay? And finally, John writes in, the subject line is so thankful. He says, hello, John, I am sober for eight days and have recently given AA a chance. I've come close before, but always always taught myself to going. Excuses is what my sponsor said, and he is correct. Of course, I thank you for much of your podcast, and I'm currently listening to episode 91 and steps one and two. You mentioned the secret Facebook group, and I would love to join. I am an atheist and having trouble really grasping the higher power thing, but I know that I myself cannot stop drinking. So I look at AA and all its members, including you, brother, as my higher power for now. Smiley face. Thanks again, John. Well, if that works for you, Mr. John, that works. I'm so thankful that you wrote in. I'm so thankful that you're vulnerable. And I think that's very, I think that's great, fantastic. And, and uh, um, congratulations on your eight days. And, um, oh, in terms of the, the Facebook group, I emailed you back, but Facebook has changed their ways on me now. So all you have to do is you have to search the secret Facebook group, search the, excuse me, sober speak secret group, and you will find uh, that it is visible. Uh, you can't see who is in the group, but you can ask to be uh, a- approval. I love how they say that in Facebook. Approval. Uh, we set the bar very, <laughs> very low, by the way. <laughs> so you have to be approved by me to come in the group and you just go in there and you hit some little button and I get this notice and and I'll let you in. That's about it. All right, everybody. That's another. That's a wrap for another episode. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. I take this one week at a time. Hopefully, I'll be back next week. God bless you. Like I said, keep coming back. It works if you work it. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Keep it simple, strong.